Coming up this week on Breaking Badness. Today we discuss, I've got Steam Heat, browser in the browser Steam Attacks. Next up, putty in my hands. DPRK job opportunity phishing via WhatsApp. And of course, our fun game, Two Truths and a Lie. With that, Breaking Badness is next. Welcome to Breaking Badness, episode number 132, recorded on September 19th, 2022. I'm your co-host Kelsey, in it for the long pun label. With me co-host Tim, I'm really steamed about this one, Helming. And last, but certainly not least, special guest Daniel Silly Putty Schwalbe. Ahoy. Hello, hello. mateys. I realize we're recording on, isn't today International Talk Like a Pirate Day? Or sure did I is. Miss that? Or we'll have to do the whole thing that way, me mateys. R. <laughs> when in doubt, just add an R. That's all, that's that's all right. you need to know. It's Growl the funniest a letter bit, in the alphabet, Add right? R and always say me for your possessives and you're good. I'm gonna need an example, Tim. Can you can you provide that? Ah, uh, is me microphone working fine, me mateys? Arr. <laughs> Nailed it. I think in a previous life, Tim was a pirate. I, uh, <laughs> you know, no pirates, information about that. They might have made good security folks. You know, they're pretty good with patches. <laughs> oh boy! Dare there you go, parroting that info again. <laughs> I was keeping one eye on what matters. oh well it's nice to be back with y'all and daniel it's nice to have you on the show today it's Um, been a a minute a little bit yeah good to have you back yeah and daniel's like in our office he's in the room that's kind of freaky we call it dot studio and that's where noise goes to die like there is no echo it kind of hurts your Hurts your brain sometimes. It's weird first coming in here because it's yeah, so quiet, no echo. I feel like where am I? Some Did you remember happened. to turn on the on air light? Because you know, that magically Very stops all outside noises <laughs> yeah. from entering it too. I did turn it on. I don't know if anybody's gonna care, but we'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Well we'll we'll get started just in case so we can save you from from the beautiful noises of the office. But our first article today is, I've got Steam Heat. So hackers are launching new attacks to steal Steam credentials using a browser in the browser phishing technique that is rising in popularity among threat actors. So, Tim, 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 uh, Tim. Um, the gamer infosec Venn diagram is a pretty well inflated football Unless Tom Brady had anything to do with it. Um, So this should be of interest to a lot of listeners. So starting at the top, let's talk about browser and the browser technique, shall we? And is that, is like browser and the browser and the browser, is it like turtles? Browser, browser all the way way down. down. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's getting to be that way, isn't it? Because the browser is the universal app. And uh, so, yeah, the modern browser is quite a marvel in all the different things it can render and how convincing it can make fake stuff look. And so, yeah, what the fishers are doing here is they're creating a fake browser window within the active window, and it makes it 
look like a sign-in pop-up page for a login service that the victims intended to execute uh, with a phishing kit that was um, studied by a security researcher who goes by Mr. Docs. A, a malicious actor can create fake login forms for any service, so Steam in this case that we're studying, but you know it could be Microsoft or Google or AltaVista or MySpace or Dogpile, you know, any of those popular services. And um, what we're looking at here is uh, specifically targeting high-value Steam users. And those accounts, I learned something new here. High-value Steam account can be uh, way more valuable than this podcaster ever realized. So the article cites like 100000 to $300,000 in value. But so when we think about how this unfolds, there are actually two URLs that are involved. And one of them is legit and one of them is not legit. So the first one is the not legit one. And the way this unfolds is the Fisher sends a DM to the would-be victim on Steam, and that DM lures them to a phishing site on a malicious domain. Uh, once they're there, that's where they get the browser in the browser login page, and that one goes to the actual legit site. So in this example, it would be steamcommunity.com, um, but since that fake window is hosted by the malicious actor on their infrastructure, the victim's credentials are harvested. So it doesn't matter that they're logging into legit Steam. By that point, the fix is in. Mm, interesting. Now, is there a cyber... Um vector or a security what's the what am i trying to say here is there a vector or type of malicious behavior that is most akin to pirates because in my mind it might be phishing um but maybe it's just the 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 sea full of puns there i'm not quite sure well ransomware i mean i think pirates oh. stole held held people for ransom probably that's true that's true uh and uh, what else? Daniel, help us out here. There's got to be, there's got to be. Other, well, software piracy comes to mind. I, I, mm. it must be acknowledged <laughs> as a form of cybercrime that that perhaps has some resemblance to piracy. Well, I'm pretty sure passwords were stock and trade of the pirate as well. If you wanted to get access to certain areas, you needed to have the secret password. So it all fits kind of into the general piracy realm are cyber that's right you have to criminals? say are a lot are, you got that correct are cyber criminals. oh i'm sorry you meant something else <laughs> would you say cyber criminals are the modern pirate is that fair to to say out loud publicly i wonder how mm -hmm. real modern pirates would feel about it but in general probably yes i've offended yeah, in the, pirates in the, online in the information ocean information that ocean. that probably is true in the data lakes they uh, steal indiscriminately they uh, sink ships oh wait a minute they, maybe they don't do that part <laughs> sink with a y anyway okay so tim these attackers are like you said they're targeting steam accounts for professional gamers but do you suspect this action could leapfrog to companies who sponsor these folks so I would say that is possible. Um, I This seems to be a pretty effective technique. So I would say any account or service where there are valuable credentials that are you know supplied uh, and therefore could be stolen could be the subject of one of these attacks. So um, if you want to look, if you want to know where to you know kind of find the next 
possible extension or the next threat within any given domain here. I don't mean internet domain, but just domain of study. Follow the money or follow the value, the intellectual property, etc. And that could lead you to, you know, where you can expect some of the next things. By the way, could you say that uh, a, a software crime that is similar to piracy could be sinking chips by using Heartbleed and other, you know, like speculative execution attacks in the <laughs> hardware? Oh my gosh, Tim. Yeah, I think so. I would say so. <laughs> Josh Yarr, LaBelle baby. has ruled. Yarr. Oh my gosh. Well, Tim, so the folks at Group IB have been researching this attack. Did they find out how these internet pirates are getting their hands on the fishing kit needed for this exploit? Yeah, and unlike a lot of the stories that we've done that involve phishing, ransomware, and malware, etc., as a service, in this case, it's not one of these widespread as-a-service uh, situations where you see it widely distributed on dark web forums and whatnot. Instead, the actors behind this one are recruiting in forums, and some of those are on the dark web, but some of them are just you know private Telegram or Discord groups, and they seem to do uh, some degree of targeting and vetting of the workers, they, they call them workers, that they're hiring, and these workers get the fishing kit, and then they can uh, uh, get a cut of the ill-gotten gains, that the booty, shall we say, <laughs> that is, uh, <laughs> that they gain from this scheme. So they're, they're not just putting it out there for anybody to buy. Tim, I think a, a train might have just blown through your podcast studio. <laughs> yeah, they, that was the uh, the 1217 to Durango. Pay it no attention. <laughs> that was a pretty good train whistle. Um, <laughs> that was nice. <laughs> so the links the hackers share go to the site that poses as a company sponsoring and hosting um, esports competitors. I know you're going to take a look under the hood and Iris investigate. Are there any findings you'd like to share once you, yeah, you pivoted, dar pivoted? A peg leg would make it particularly easy to pivot, wouldn't it? I it's mean, really, specifically could, you could have to pivot. Some, that's right. <laughs> yes. So the domain uh, in this case was imitating a legit esports competition site called ChallengerMode.com, and in this case. The phony URL went to challengermode.supply. Please don't go visit there, uh, except if it's from your uh, your malware studying VM that's in a safe environment. Anyway, that's the victim's first opportunity to spot the scam. Um, so I went ahead and looked at challengermode.supply in Iris Investigate, and I found a couple of interesting things. So the first was that the IP address where that site was hosted had over 300 other domains on them, and a lot of those looked sketchy. Um, uh, Challengermode.supply has been taken offline, as had a bunch of other ones that were on that IP. But just by looking at those domain names, you can tell that they're looking for login credentials for various platforms and games and so forth. So there were a few others related to challenger mode, and then there were others related to gaming with different lures, like there was a invite roblox.team or direct-sony.com. Um, but then where it got really interesting was I asked Iris to give me all the domains that contained the string challenger mode. And there I got a lot of sites that had very high risk scores. Um, 
A lot of them had already been put on block lists, which Iris depicts as a score of 100. And then others were predicted to be bad. And from those, I could pivot on IP addresses, registrant emails, stuff like that to find even more infrastructure related to either this specific challenger mode campaign or others that are trying to use gaming sites as the lures. And so to give you an idea of this, there were 403 domains that had challenger mode within the domain name and the average risk score for those was 81 which is really high and then about 75 percent of those have been created in calendar year 2022 so you can tell this is a pretty recent campaign and the average risk of that 2022 cohort of domains is 90 which is super high right so i think it's uh, in looking at some of the details about it. I believe that it's likely that this campaign originates in a Russian language location based on uh, registrant names that I saw in the domain records and some of those recruitment messages. Granted, one of them states, oh, the author isn't a native Russian speaker, forgive the typos, etc. But, you know, that may be just an attempt to direct attention away from Russia or its satellite states. So anyway, I didn't go all the way down the rabbit hole to find the full extent of this campaign. It's definitely several hundred domains. Um, there were a lot more pivots that I could have taken. Um, but uh, so we, there's this thing has a fair amount of size for sure. Tim, I think you should write a book called The Pivot Less Taken. And, oh, yeah. And um, yeah, I, I, I'd like to read that. It's got to be a picture book too, with the, the visual pivot for sure. Okay. Or a pirate. Or a pirate pivoting, pivoting yeah. pirate. Um, I was also laughing to myself, thinking about a website called Ask Iris, like Ask Jeeves. Um, I referenced that with a young soul this weekend, and they did not know what <laughs> they I was just referring to. You and blinked a couple times. <laughs> yeah, I was like, Listen, yeah. Well, kid. similarly, <laughs> you know, if they're listening to the the podcast, they'll be like, "What was that Alta Alta Dogpile Vista space thing that he was talking about?" <laughs> Our kids these days. Our kids. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, I just can't tell them to walk to the plane wee like ones. Used the to. wee ones these days. The wee ones. <laughs> oh shoot. So, Tim, one of the screenshots shared in this article is a conversation a gamer had with a bad actor, um, or a threat actor. I just can't help every time of thinking of somebody who cannot act when I say that. Uh, and the, the gamer just wasn't having it. They seemed pretty savvy as to what was going on. So is there any indication of who has fallen for it and the damage this campaign has caused so far? Yeah, we we don't really know. Now, as far as anybody who was, you know, kind of on to the, the scam and could tell that something odd was going on, remember that mostly inflated football of gaming and infosec like there's a lot of people in the gaming community who are also pretty security savvy if not actually working in the security field so uh, you, you'll certainly find some people that will spot this thing pretty uh, pretty readily um, but we overall we don't know a whole lot about the victimology except that it's gamers that are on steam um, as I was just mentioning, we can tell that the infrastructure that's supporting the campaign is pretty big. We know that Steam accounts are valuable, so we've got some data points about pointing to the fact that it's a pretty sizable campaign, and we know that you know there, there's a payoff to be had. But we don't have any kind of account of victims, um, and we, we don't know from high-value ones or rank-and-file ones. There was a quote in the beginning of the 
uh, IB groups report on this from somebody who was a victim of it. Now, they said they didn't, their account in particular was not super valuable, but, you know, acknowledging that a lot of other ones are. Interesting. And, and Tim, to bookend this conversation, are there any tips for spotting a browser in the browser? Browser, 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 browser in the browser attack? <laughs> uh, to me, the biggest tell here is that uh, that super sketchy domain name, that challenger mode dot supply. Um, but there is another major way that you can tell if the browser, browser and the browser mode. login page is legit. So if you have any reason to believe that that might be going on, try to resize the window because the fake window, you can close it, you can maximize it, minimize it, you know, those button kind of press things, but you can't resize it. And you also can't drag it outside of the main browser window, uh, that, which is that pho uh, phony domain. So if you receive uh, an invitation to log into some service, whether you're a Steam player or even, you know, extending this concept more broadly, if you get something that says, hey, go log into this thing, and it's coming from somebody you don't know, and you get a login prompt in the middle of the page, well, that's one of the things that you can do. So don't just look at the URL in the login page, because that might be legit, but try some of those other tests of resizing it and dragging it around and so forth. Um, but also just look at the uh, the address bar in that primary window, the one that spawned that login window, and look at that domain. So if you step back from this, this really involves two of the major things that we are always telling people about to spot phishing lures, right? So one of them is watching for offers that seem too good to be true or just something about the offer is perhaps unexpected and looking at the domain name that's in, involved in that. Um, you know, I don't know whether these invitations looked too good to be true or looked suspicious to most competitive gamers, certainly as we saw some of them are onto it. But um, one of the things that we have seen over the years is that the new GTLDs or generic top level domains, this is the dot supply, dot club, dot top, dot ninja, et cetera. Those do tend to attract a lot of sketchiness. And so, um, which by the way, is not so much a reflection on the creators of those TLDs themselves. Rather, it's like, okay, well, the the legitimate names have all been taken in .com and .net and .org, right? And so now you have to do a bunch of typos and stuff, but in some of these new uh, GTLDs, it's a little bit more wide open landscape. So you might be able to register domains without having to put any typos in them that you hope that the victim won't notice and whatnot. So like challenger mode dot supply, no typos or anything like that, right? So that's partly why we see that sketchiness in the new GTLDs. But anyway, this story was about gaming, but there's a takeaway for everybody in terms of being offered a login prompt after you got some message from somebody that you don't know, uh, et cetera. So, you know, always have your paranoia level at a, uh, at a healthy value and um, always scrutinize domains that uh, come from something that you clicked on rather than something you typed. Yes, indeed. Good advice. Good advice to live by, certainly. Well, let's let's do our hoodie rating here. And for those who are tuning in for the first time, we're gleefully forgotten. Um, a hoodie rating is our, our stamp of risk. So zero is is neutral. Ten is very bad. Um, and you can you, you don't have to use integers here. Um, but we're really applying off the cla uh, the cliche of the hacker and the hoodie. And how many defenders does it really take to change a light bulb um, or solve a problem? So. Daniel, why don't we hear from you first? What would you rate this at? 
Yeah, so it kind of really depends on which part of the Venn diagram you're in, right? So if you're a professional gamer, this could be like, you know, seven, eight maybe, because it's really high risk to you. Um, if you're not gaming at all, it probably doesn't matter as much. The technique itself is likely going to be used other places. But for this particular example, I would say if we average it all out, I would give this maybe a four. A four. No extra half hoodies or hoods or arms or anything Full sizes like only today. Full sizes only. <laughs> all right, Tim, would you agree with that? Yeah, I'm certainly in the same uh, region of the seas as uh, Daniel's ship, I would say. Uh, put me down for 3,800 millihoodies uh, for similar reasons. I think it, it, it'll change if this browser-in-the-browser browser technique starts to be seen everywhere and that people are falling for it in large numbers. Um, you know, that would suddenly change the the scope here. But for now, this doesn't seem to be a super widespread threat to everybody. But yeah, if you're a, a Breaking Badness listener and a gamer, do be on the lookout for these kind of things. Excellent. And by the way, don't use the same password on Steam that you use on your bank account, please. <laughs> Important advice to take to heart from Tim Helbig. Excellent. Well, we'll be back in just a moment with our second article of the day. Hold tight with us here. Well, hello there, Breaking Badness listener, and thanks for stopping by. If you're enjoying this pun fest masquerading as an InfoSec news show, please give us a review and a rating on your favorite podcast platform. And visualization time again. Picture a friend, an acquaintance, a crush, a long-lost family member, Someone who you think might enjoy Breaking Badness. Got that person in mind? Good. Now, visualize sharing Breaking Badness with them. If you're enjoying it, well, maybe they will too. And now, as our meditation moment draws to a close, let's rejoin our episode. Cheers! Well, welcome back, everybody. Uh, we're ready for our second article of the day, which is Putty in my hands. So Mandiant Managed Defense identified a novel spearfish methodology employed by the threat cluster tracked as UNC-4034. So Daniel, 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 Daniel. This is not the first time, and it actually will probably not be the last time, we see some activity from bad actors regarding job opportunities. We actually discussed uh, something similar in episode 129. I was, I believe, not there. I think Callie was manning the ship, if you will. Uh, but you were all talking about the Lazarus group going after Coinbase hopefuls. So that attack had more to do with infected PDFs. What's going on in this scenario? And is it connected to these other job offer schemes. Yeah, so this one is a little bit different and actually, dare I say, a little bit more clever. Uh, certainly targeting people who have hopes and aspirations of you know, maybe improving their uh, job situation is you know tried and true. I'm sure there were pirates in the olden days who tried to promise the world and then you get hauled on a ship and then all of a sudden you're in, you know, cleaning potatoes in the galley. 
uh, tricking people into things. Uh, <laughs> we're still in a uh, you know work environment. The great resignation is not exactly behind us, so people are looking to uh, improve their uh, position by applying for other jobs. So this is a pretty clever way of targeting people uh, by giving them false hope for a potential false job opportunity. You know, this is also how you can, you know, if you if you troll LinkedIn and you know people are open to work and see kind of what their uh preferences are, figure it out and you can tailor that to somebody, you know, who really wants to work at Amazon, for example, you could target them with a fake Amazon job offer like in this particular case. Now, this one uh and I think it's considered spear phishing because it is more targeted. It's not just something you send out and then, you know, to 100,000 people and hopefully somebody bites. This is much more targeted. And you know, the, the bad actors here may actually be targeting the individual because they care about the company they presently work for to be able to gain access and then leverage that, as we've seen in the news recently with some pretty big and prominent companies, the sort of compromising an existing employee and leveraging that access to go to um, uh, other lengths, other means is is popular. So in this particular case, this uh, job opportunity actually came over WhatsApp, uh, your popular chat messenger app for you know, iOS, Android, and it also has a uh, web interface, which is critical in this particular situation. So the the job offer sort of like, hey, we job offer to work for you know Amazon, whatever, came in through WhatsApp, and the unsuspecting uh, person uh, responds and is then directed to say, hey, for the application process, you need to download this file, which we will send you over WhatsApp. So then they're being directed to log in on their computer, um, which uh, preferably in this case is a Windows computer because this particular malware targets Windows. Now, in the work environment, uh, corporate America, or even internationally, Windows is still uh, predominant. Uh, so the chances of actually getting somebody who uses Windows is probably fairly high. In this particular case, uh, the uh, unsuspecting victims were directed to download an ISO file, which is a file format that uh, is very common for you know CDs, CD-ROMs, uh, DVDs, etc., uh, and uh, starting with Windows 10, in Windows it's gotten really easy to open these files. They mount like a disk drive uh, in your Explorer window, which makes it very convenient to have a bunch of files in there, but only have to send one file to the victim, and it's not complicated like a you know a, a gzip file or a tar file where they would have to have secondary software to open it. That's you know sort of reduces the barrier of entry for the bad guy to make sure the victim actually is able to open the malware that they want them to. So this particular case, it gets even a little bit more clever where they send the ISO file to the individual, they download it via their WhatsApp web client, get it on their system, they open it up, and inside is a executable called PuTTY uh, and a readme file. Now PuTTY is a SSH client, secure shell, uh, which prior to Windows 10, uh, Windows also had no native option to 
open up a secure shell connection. So PuTTY is a really great client. I used it myself for years uh, to be able to execute on Windows, very lightweight, doesn't technically need to be installed. It's just executable. It opens up the interface and there you can enter the uh, name or the IP address of a SSH server you would like to connect. And then it uses the secure shell protocol to connect to there over encrypted path and you log in and then you have access to that server. So in this particular case, the bad guys convinced the individuals to uh, download the ISO, open it up. There's a putty in there, which most Windows people at least have heard of. And then the instructions were something like, hey, you need to log into this server. Uh, here's the username and password and IP address in this uh, readme file that's also included uh, in the ISO container. And then uh, once you log into the server, of the alleged uh, application system, then you can you know, interact and fill out some additional information. So that's kind of in a nutshell how uh, the attack gets started. <laughs> Daniel, the way you were describing that made me think of like the whole unboxing fad. And I'd like for there to be a like <laughs> TikTok or Instagram or something where you unbox malware you're like oh, what do we have here be part of the experience when i just so, see what so happens we got the package <laughs> let's open it up and see what's inside <laughs> i mean i think there i think there are a lot of malware reversing videos that that sort of are that but somebody should totally do it as if it, in the absolute style of an unboxing that would be awesome of maybe they should just combine go for a twofer and do it as an unboxing but in asmr oh my gosh You'd be making millions. You can monetize the daylights <laughs> out of that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, Daniel, you already covered uh, one of the questions I had, which is, you know, the SSH clients um, and the steps that were needed to drop the malware. So it sounds like the final payload is the airdry.v2 backdoor malware. Do you have any insight as to how it differs from airdry.v1 <laughs> uh yes actually it's getting it's gotten uh modularized the original airdry malware supported like upwards of a 30 commands which can get kind of cumbersome anybody who has ever used a command line tool that has like you know 47 uh switches you can invoke it with uh gets pretty uh, tricky and so in this version two, they've reduced the basic command set to about nine commands. However, one of them is the option to fetch and then load a module that can have additional capabilities. So, you know, they did a rewrite of the software and in version two, it's now modularized and much more versatile, but you can also deploy a much smaller footprint piece of the mal malware because it doesn't out of the box have to support uh, all of the different things that the previous version did. It's totally modular. <laughs> totally. That would be in the unboxing video, certainly. Yes. <laughs> well, and and the, the the crazy part is, so the the putty executable that you get looks no different than the legitimate version. If you look at the file size, it's much bigger because hiding in and of itself is actually the first stage of the malware, and in order to kind of avoid or, or, or evade uh, detection, they also put a clever check in there where just by executing PuTTY, nothing happens. You have to 
uh, initiate a connection to a system which the malware inside of PuTTY watches in real time. And only if those steps are taken does it actually start unpacking the malicious payload within PuTTY, puts it in the right place in the operating system. And once that gets executed, it spawns Dave shell, which is a shell code that's loaded in uh, memory. And then that pulls in the air dry to uh, backdoor. So it's like layers within layers of in within layers. It's almost like the inception of, uh, you know, malware there. Mm. Or almost like browsers, browsers all the way down. down. Browsers, browsers all the way down. down. Um, wow. I mean, this seems pretty sophisticated. And I'm curious if you can describe the team who has been doing this research. And I mean, what was their strategy to gather these findings, especially based on what you just described? Um, yeah, I mean, the attribution is always hard, right? But Mandian did a good job analyzing this, and they did a really nice uh, write-up on it, which I always enjoy uh, reading the really technical, detailed uh, write-ups, because while I'm not a, a, a malware reverse engineer myself, I sometimes, you know, play around with it and in a sandbox and see what happens. I'm more interested in what malware reaches out on the network and DNS calls that you make because that's my stock and trade. But it is kind of uh, interesting. So I enjoyed the report and the details. Um, I think this is technically attributed to uh, DPRK actors. But like I said, attribution is really hard. Uh, there are some different versions of this floating around. You know, people helpfully upload suspicious files to VirusTotal. So you can find uh, slightly different versions, even with slightly different uh, ways that the that the uh, uh, payload gets executed and things it checks for. And I'm, I'm certain this has to do with uh, avoiding antivirus and malware detection because the, the signatures are different, even the behavioral uh, patterns are different. So it's much harder to do detection consistently across various different variants of that. Hmm, interesting. And so with all of this in mind, to, to really put a bow on this conversation, let's let's imagine that people are making the choice to job hunt on their 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 company's computer machine. It sounds like it could be fairly dangerous for the employer. Are there ways, especially given your position, that you might try to mitigate something like this from happening within uh, an organization, your organization? Make your workplace so good to work at that nobody's hunting for jobs from their work computers. Boom! There you go. <laughs> On Keep WhatsApp. Keep your people happy. Yes. Step uh, one. In general, it seems like bad OPSEC if you are, you know, looking for uh, a new job on your work computer, because depending on what, you know, kind of DLP and machine learning is running on there, it may actually, you know, give you away and then you need to have an uncomfortable conversation before you may be ready to tell anybody. Uh, so first advice would be don't use your work computer. But, you know, we also see uh, threat actors targeting people's personal machines to then leverage later on stuff that they might be doing, you know, for work on there. So in general, I would say probably don't accept unsolicited uh, you know, opportunities for employment uh, on WhatsApp. Uh, if you're putting information out there, unless you've contacted a recruiter or something over WhatsApp, which seems odd, um, you know, when it's good, too good to be true, definitely you know, do a double take. If something comes in unsolicited, even if it's over WhatsApp, maybe, you know, say, 
hey, can you send me an email at this address or something just to kind of get a little bit more context rather than like, hey, this is Bob, the recruiter on WhatsApp, you know, now go to this and do all of these things. That that seems, you know, fairly suspicious and people uh, should definitely give it uh, a second look. This is the adult equivalent of don't take candy from strangers, I think. Effectively. <laughs> definitely don't. is. It's like the internet of white vans. It is. <laughs> it is the internet of white vans. Um, I've got to see if that domain is registered. Um, <laughs> um, all right. Well, Tim, after hearing Daniel's thorough analysis here, what would you rate this at from a hoodie perspective? First of all, I should have said white vans on the information superhighway uh, or pulled off on the rest areas of the information superhighway. I, this is an interesting story. I feel... To me, the hoodie rating is fairly low because I got to think if you're getting a job opportunity on WhatsApp and then what you're supposed to do from there is launch putty and SSH to something. Now, it said they were job lures for Amazon. So maybe they're they're thinking, oh, this is going to attract technical people and they're going to think, wow, this is so much cooler than just going on, you know, some job board and hitting an application this is this is way more fun but i wonder if it's really gonna if a lot of people are gonna fall for this so my current rating for this is low i would say it's three but i it was a fascinating story and it brought back memories of countless hours on putty when i was doing firewall support in the uh, distant past ages but but also by the way What's up with all these uh, threat actor groups from the University of North Carolina? I mean, what are they doing over there? <laughs> uh, they're duking it out. <laughs> if you will. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I was wondering earlier, do, am I remembering correctly that some people pronounce that unk instead of I'm saying sure UNC? Gotta love it. Um, <laughs> well, and we uh, should say, as a public service announcement for our, our <laughs> listeners, that stands for uncategorized. So the there attribution is kind of like partial. Partial attribution. I prefer uncat. 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 <laughs> that does sound way cooler. Daniel, what would you rate this at? I, I agree with Tim on this one because uh, it's out there. It takes a lot of additional cajoling and social engineering or somebody, unfortunately, rather desperate to do all of those things because there's several steps involved that all have to go right for the malware to even execute. Um, so I think the, the target audience, especially in the more technical area, is probably... Uh, overall low. Now, there's some good meat on those bones in terms of how you could refine that, and I'm certainly not going to offer my opinions on how to do that in case uh, some of our you know adversaries are listening. Uh, but in general, I think this could have legs with a whole bunch of changes, but in the current incarnation, I would agree with a hoodie rating of three. Three. This is a low rating week. Yeah, it seems like, gosh, those guys picked stories that are uh, <laughs> not scary and what's up with that. But these were pretty interesting stories, I thought. Maybe maybe um, as an industry, we needed a breath of fresh air. I know it's actually been quite a stressful week, as all of us know on the podcast and all of our listeners um, from what's what's been going on. So uh, maybe it's best to touch on lighter topics. Indeed. Uh, 
Yes. Yes, indeed. And you know, today's today's novel sort of cute attack could become tomorrow's great big huge problem if, you know, either of these uh, takes on new forms that are more dangerous. So, you know, we warned you first here while it was still a small brush fire instead of a conflagration. There you go. Conflagration. You don't hear that word enough. <laughs> I Excellent. can barely say it. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, you nailed it, Tim. It was seamless. Well, we'll be back here in just a moment for our fun game, Two Truths and a Lie. Stick with us. Well, welcome back to the part of the episode where we we break each other's trust, <laughs> keep each other paranoid um, to make sure that we stay safe on the white vans of the internet, as Tim, I believe, called it. So are are you all ready for, for our game where, of course, I read three article titles, two of which are true, one of which is a lie, and there's a, there's a whole point spread? Let's do it. I am absolutely Ba-da-da. ready. Okay. Probably not, but but let's have it. I'm coming in cold. I, it's been a number of weeks since I've done this, so um, I I I will I I'm I'm not very optimistic, but I'm hopeful. I I can get ya. Um, and uh, Daniel's paying playing on behalf of Taylor's points, so I always like to say, do as pirates do in this situation. And if you need to extort Taylor, this is certainly the time. No pressure or anything. <laughs> No pressure. <laughs> nice little points count you got there. Be ashamed if anything happened to you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And Taylor is actually, just for what it's worth, I know he's out at the, the CrowdStrike Falcon uh, conference in, I think, in Las Vegas. Where it is he's gambling. Vegas. We're gambling. Everybody's gambling. Here we go. <laughs> so, um, all right. Here, here are the three statements. Statement number one. Cyber criminals access customer data on a budget. Moving truck and storage giant experiences a massive breach. Article number two. The EU isn't interested in an IoT party. The EU is working to hold device makers to a new standard to keep consumers safe. Article number three. Hackers' phishing attack are a time sock. Hackers use sock puppets for a hands-on approach phishing attack. Well, that third one sounds just silly, so it must be true. (laughs) Unless, you know, you're doing a double reverse bank shot here. But what if I thought that and it's a triple reverse? Bum, bum, bum. That's right. Hey, oh, this is this is a tricky one. I'm 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 reasonably confident that the middle one is right, but number one or number three? Hmm. Yeah, that's that's my feeling too. And by the way, if the middle if it turns out the middle one is false. We need to get in touch with the EU and have them actually do that. <laughs> Somebody's got to do it. That's right. All right. What do I thinking? feel as if the first one, if a really big moving and storage company had gotten owned, we would have 
seen that and I don't recall seeing it. Uh, like if a great big company gets compromised and there's no one around to hear it except for, you know, one important podcast host, did it really happen? I'm leaning toward article one. I think that's the one I'm going to go with. You know, now that you line it out like that, I certainly don't recall reading anything about it. And there was a other recent breach that would probably uh, yield itself to just make it about a moving company rather than a transportation company. So maybe that lend itself to that. So I'm going to I'm also going to say the first one is the lie. You all are correct. There was a breach, but it is with the unofficial advertiser of my people, the U-Haul um, <laughs> uh, of the queer variety. Um, they unfortunately experienced the breach, um, but the sock, the sock puppet bit did happen. Yeah, I'm going to have to look that up. <laughs> yes. Um, I'm just imagining when Bleeping Computer was looking for that stock photo, because of course there's a photo of two sock puppets <laughs> that they had to find uh, for this elaborate fishing technique. Um, so, yeah, that happened. And the EU, luckily, is trying to hold device makers accountable when it comes to anything that connects to the internet. So I'm sorry, Kayla Dahl. Your time in the sun is over. <laughs> so oh, well done, you that's, two. That's a deep cut. That's going way back. <laughs> I think we still, well, I'm sure we don't anymore. At one point, there was one of those hidden away in the office um, when we were doing some fun testing. I believe there was a smart egg container and then a Kayla doll. And we were seeing the fun packet. We were sniffing the packets. Um trying to intercept what was actually being communicated there many years back now, I think. Nowadays, they don't have to do that because they've just got TikTok. <laughs> they just they just have TikTok. That's right. <laughs> uh, that was a recent uh, piece of news, right? That the TikTok was refusing to assure that the any data moving through TikTok was not making its way back into the hands of the Chinese government. Am I remembering that correctly? Am I spreading misinformation you, here? No, I think you're correct. I think um, people, you know, InfoSec Twitter was certainly saying, yep, uh, that's, <laughs> you can pretty much take it to the bank that that's what's going on. So don't use TikTok if you care about that. Our unboxing will no longer be happening on TikTok. Can confirm. <laughs> well, we could have a, uh, we could have a honeypot TikTok account, and uh, if other people want to view it on the TikTok app rather than just in a browser, that, that's their choice. We could also unbox Chinese malware on TikTok. It would be a flex, like the documentary I watched on Netflix about the last blockbuster. <laughs> that would be <laughs> that, that would be pretty good. Yeah, I would enjoy that. Mm. And if anybody's curious, the last blockbuster is in Bend. Oregon, which is a beautiful place, and they now have the last blockbuster. So two big. So it, so they do. So it still exists. It, it's still it didn't there. Close like ten no, years ago. Cool. No, it's it's still there and Bend, um, which is a just a wonderful place for anybody. It was funny because people were like, "Where 
where is the last blockbuster been? Where is that? Ohio? <laughs> no. Oregon, you silly goose. Of course. It's, it's Oregon, not Oregon. That's right. It's still there. You know, some of them are going to have to be told. Yeah. That's how you know if somebody's from Oregon. If they don't say Oregon and there's a place called Tigard. And if someone calls it Tigard, that's a true, tried and true sign. Right. They are not an Oregonian, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> I think Excellent. the uh, Washington State equivalent is Puyallup. Exactly. Uh, Definitely exactly. tell yeah. if somebody's mm. from here or not. It's a really yeah. quick test. Or there in, in Oregon, it's also the Willamette River. Um, and people sometimes call it the Williamette. And the bumper sticker is, it's the Willamette, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, Daniel, thank you for joining today. Callie, thank you for hosting an incredible set of episodes here in my absence. It's great to be back. Um, Callie will actually be back again next week. So you're getting a lot of both of us. But uh, Tim, also wonderful to have you. Always a pleasure. Never a chore, as they say. And we'll be back next week for episode 133 of Breaking Badness. Shiver me timbers. That's about all we have for this week. You can find us on Twitter at Domain Tools. All of the articles and IOCs mentioned today will be included in our blog post, which can be found at domaintools.com slash resources slash podcasts. Catch us every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific time when we publish our podcast and blog. We'll see you next week on another episode of Breaking Badness. Until then, remember, don't drink and click. <laughs>